0: two one right <laughs> listening to pt barnum's art of getting money dual workouts did not feel like getting up today <sighs> got up and did it anyway why so lazy calves are nodding tried some argentina arapa and empanadas. hope i pronounced those right getting trolled on my language vlog and it smells like smoke in the beach Folks, it is Friday, August 12th, 2022. I'm Steven Sersky. Thanks for joining me. Hope you guys are doing well. Oh, no idea for a language vlog name. Sorry, not language vlog name. This this audio vlog name. Uh, Since uh, this is sort of my daily yik-yak of what's going on, some of the things that I do here, um, there's a couple possibilities I was thinking about. One would be Beijing Expat Daily, so Monday to Friday sort of thing, uh, yik-yak about things that are going on. But it's not really, although I, it's a play on, like, I am a Beijing expat. I'm, a, I'm an expat in Beijing, and it's posted Monday to Friday. But the problem with it is I don't really talk about a lot what's going on in Beijing. i very, you know, a little bit. I guess I could change my focus a little bit. Uh, the other thing is that I was thinking about doing uh, Canadian expat daily, because I am a Canadian. I'm an expat. And I post this Monday to Friday. So I think that would be a little bit more appropriate in terms of a naming scheme. uh, Because it would... uh, Then that way I could sort of talk about what it's like being an expat. Which is what I do here uh, on this uh, audio blog. It doesn't really cover the fact that... I mean, I yik-yak about a lot of the stuff that I do. Like all my animation and media stuff. Um, Could that change? Can it be excluded? Does it have to be included? Uh, Does it have to be excluded? Or could it be included in this uh, new naming scheme. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's an idea. I'm going to leave it as it is. Steven Sersky Audio Blog. That's me. Um, and this is my the Audio Digest, in which I yik-yak about some of the things I do here in Beijing, China, where I live. And I'm involved in the ESL industry. And I know that uh, of the uh, the few people that listen to this, uh, I think they get a good laugh at some of the things I say from time to time. Yesterday's rant about Joe Rogan versus Gary Vee on the virtues and the uh, safety of TikTok. I'm sure uh had a few people chuckling. Uh, listening to a new audiobook uh, from LibriVox. So this is free and uh, open source. Uh, you can find it at LibriVox.org. Uh, P.T. Barnum's Art of Getting Money. This came across, I can't remember... It was actually twice that I came across his name, and usually when I hear something twice, I go, "Okay, I got to look at it." Um, I can't remember the first time I heard it, but maybe it was in a podcast. It's probably in a podcast. That's at least where I heard it uh, at least once. And the guy said something. He's a regular PT Barnum in reference to like being an entrepreneur. Like, okay, interesting. Uh, like a showman. Like that sort of. I think it was in reference to Elon Musk. Uh, like the showmanship, the spectacle involved with being an entrepreneur. And so I'm like, okay, P.T. Barnum, who is this guy? I've heard of this name before, and he's pretty big deal. He's uh, pretty famous. He's known for uh, Barnum and Bailey's Circus. Uh, no doubt the Americans, the U.S. Americans out there, they'll probably uh, be very familiar with the name. Um, whereas uh, us international folks, us non-Americans, I guess I can I could just say, uh, we might not be as familiar with him. Even though he did travel, he traveled to Europe quite a few, Quite a bit. He bought Jumbo the elephant from the London Zoo and uh, paraded him around the United States for quite some time. He also uh, purchased the uh, well. He signed a contract with uh, Jenny Lind, I think it was. Uh, She was a singer, and he she went part of his circus. So his big claim to fame was that he was a circus guy known. For he wasn't a sideshow, but he had numerous sort of whack jobs and uh, well, people who might not have found employment unless they were part of the uh, the circus that he provided. Uh, So that's sort of what he was specializing is the circus that went on until 2017. I mean, didn't end uh, until PETA pretty much had their their like the, the. uh, protection of environment and animals and whatever it is based in North America. So they finally got their way in. He, they shut, uh, well, he shut down his, not him, but, uh, uh, the company shut down. Now they're going to restart in 2023, but this time without animals. Now, so listening to this art of getting money, you know, I've read a few of these books like, uh, JP Getty's, how to be rich. Um, which dad, poor dad is a book that I recommend to a lot of people to get uh, started in. Um, of course, uh, there's, there's one other than them oh, um, J.P. Getty, who else, who's the other guy I was reading, oh goodness, I've forgotten already, anyway, um, well, J.P. Getty also has an autobiography that I, I wanted to read, but I haven't purchased yet, uh, but with this, uh, P.T. Barnum, I was listening to the introduction, and it just, it hit so many chords, it struck so many chords, I'm sitting there going, ouch, ouch, he's right, In it, he actually goes on about, in one point, he's like, uh, smoking cigars to play the part of a businessman, dumb idea. Drinking, dumb. You don't know how many business ideas and whatnot, business opportunities have been, oh, I'll do it later Then never done because of the drink. And apparently he actually was a bit of a convert to a, I've never heard this used in a teetotaler, so he became sort of a straight edge. Uh, later on in his life, after he'd been smoking and drinking for and whoring or whoever knows, right? He was married to two women uh, at different times. Um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I guess that's it's okay if an old man, 40, 50, is like, you know what, smoking and drinking are not the way to live your life. But the f- 30 years before that, what were you doing? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You just hear this so many times as kind of... Uh, uh, it 's kind of funny because I, I even hear myself doing smoking 's bad for you and drinking stop drinking drinking won 't do anything good for you and so what Barnum is talking about in his book is that um, there are so many great business ideas or business people who just get wound up in the drink uh, and uh, lose that momentum, lose that opportunity, lose the business, lose whatever or they lose the time which is he's he 's very um, specific about uh, and so he he makes this, he makes mention like you don 't have to smoke. You know, cigars. Uh, you don't have to drink uh, to fit in. You don't or socialize or anything. You can spend that time working on your business. Uh, and he go. He also talks about being frugal and being cheap. So the frugal person like spends money on something valuable, returns an investment, or you know, reusing paper and things like that, cutting costs where necessary and where it's you know a good idea to. Whereas being cheap, it's like you just refuse. To uh, you'll reuse paper until it can't be reused anymore, but then you'll have you know express delivery of the next paper stock come in. So it's like you've just wasted all your money um, getting new new stock in. Uh, the example he gives is uh, uh, someone will buy you know a penny's worth of uh, food for his family, but then ha- hire a coach to deliver it, sort of thing. It's like so you're you're being extravagant, uh, you're you're cheapening on one part on the part that could actually help people. And you're spending lavishly on stuff that doesn't help at all. Uh, so he he talks about that as well. I have, Since I've promised you guys a podcast that I haven't put up yet, and it is done, episode number 31 of my podcast, it's uh, it's done, the, I finally got Canva to respond and everything. So everything is sort of ready to go. I'm going to uh, put it up, uh, upload it, and then I'll uh, be uh, releasing it. I want to cut up some videos and stuff like that. I post those as well to uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and so th- that is up, it's ready, it just needs to be finalized and pushed out uh, but since I didn't release that this week I am I have addended the uh, PT Barnum's art of getting money the introduction to this episode so pay, uh, follow uh, follow along after uh, keep listening and in this episode you will hear PT Barnum's art of getting money now it's not read by me I took this from LibriVox. I'm taking the uh, full license of the uh, full opportunity of the Creative Commons or the public domainness of this uh, recording um, I don't know who it. Read. She introduces herself right away. So, like all LibriVox uh, recordings are in the public domain, so uh, you can go to the website and verify that and everything if you need to, if you feel the need. And uh, it's 22 minutes long. It's a bit lengthy, but so I'm doubling up the uh, the time on this this episode. But uh, I think it's uh, worth a listen. I don't know. I was just listening to it while I was working out this afternoon. I'm going, wow, snap, damn, oof, right again. Oh, really? 150 years ago, this was being written or 100 years ago, whatever, whenever he wrote it, I'm going like, I've heard entrepreneur, like Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this. Other business guys have talked about this, the same concepts of, you know, spend less than you earn, spend money on something that creates value or generates a, an investment return. Uh, don't drink away your life. Uh, don't smoke away your life or, you know, dress up in fancy clothes or visit places that you can't afford sort of thing. Um, create value with your products and services. I mean, like, think these, wow, just still being talked about. Amazing. It's almost like the business guys that are working now just took this guy's playbook and are doing it, just saying the same things, basically. That's why I posted it, so you guys can have a look at that today. Dual workouts, but I did not feel like getting up at all today, and one of the reasons is because uh, my calves have been slowly nodding And I'm not sure if they're going to fully knot or if they're going to half knot or if they're going to heal. Uh, So I don't, usually a knot, like a muscle knot is due to hydration. Uh, Partially is because of stretching. I have not been as uh, um, particular in my stretching as of late. So I'm not uh, bad on me, but it's also a hydration thing uh, typically. So uh, overuse, maybe a little bit, but it comes down to like, you got to be having a lot of uh, water and fluids going to your, water specifically, uh, getting into your system, not champagne or wine or beer or, you know, tequila and things like that. Not that I'm saying that, it, well, yeah, you know, been, had a few over the last, uh, last couple of days. So I'm not innocent. The, uh, so this, this was affecting me actually this morning or, uh, well, yesterday during the workout, it started to not, and I was able to pull out of it just in time before it like clenched sort of thing and then this morning like sleeping and this is typically when it happens is that your leg will not in uh in the evening because that's when your muscles sort of relax the most and so you're not sort of like a weak point in your muscle and it will snap shut or it'll seize itself and that it hurts like that you'll wake up now if you if that does happen the thing is that you have to sort of be very aware of which way it's pulling, right? and So usually it's pulling your. Um, your, your I would say it's pulling. So you, if you point your toes, you can get out of the 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 pain sort of thing. It lessens the pain and it'll let the the muscle expand just a little bit more. Uh, but if you don't do that, then it knots. Like if you try to flex your foot, then it knots, and that's when you have this issue for days where you're trying to massage this thing out and everything. Uh, so I do have this massage gun that I, I, I woke up at four o'clock or something like that. And, okay, I'll just start, you know, banging that thing with the massage gun. But yeah, it hurts. Like I feel the, the hard spot in the muscle. Uh, it's very tender. Uh, and it's on both legs too. This is the bad thing is that it's on both both legs. I wonder if this is because I've started cycling. And so it's a, it's a big change in my, um, my, uh, I guess it's not the same as running it's, I don't know. Yeah. Cause I'm going for longer. Like I'm cycling for an hour instead of running for 20 minutes. and I'm not, I'm no professional, so I don't know if there's a one-to-one correlation in these things or whatever, but that's sort of the, uh, the issue that's happening. But I did manage to get up, do my two mile warm Uh, basically it was like, I did want to sleep until seven. And I was like, okay, well, what if you do sleep until seven? Then at 623, I'm like, you know what? Or you can just get up, put your shoes on. Um, and get out the door and do your run sort of thing. I brought the steel club with me, uh, just in case, you know, if I was going to be lazy, I'll I'll do a bit of run, see if if my leg is okay. If my, if the calves are okay and I make the run or sorry, if I don't make the run, then I'll just go do a steel club workout instead, which is more weights and stuff like that. But when I started running, I didn't feel it. Like it wasn't, it wasn't as painful. It didn't knot, it didn't snap or seize or anything. When I started running something, okay, I'll just, I'll just go. I did not wear the weight vest because I didn't want to push it. Uh, so I did two mile warm up, and then after that I did another. Uh, and Then after that I did a half Murph. I actually completed a half Murph. So for those of you who have been listening over the last uh, month or so, uh, this Murph is a CrossFit challenge wherein you're, you you put on a weight vest. I think it's for guys. It's a twenty pound weight vest. So ten kilos. I I wear eleven, but. That's just because of the the sand that came with the the vest. Uh, And you do a one-mile run, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, and 300 squats. And this is typically done in 20 rounds of 5, 10, 15. Today, without the vest, I managed to do 10 rounds of 5, 10, 15, 5 pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 15 air squats, and then one mile before and one mile after, plus the two mile warm up. So that's, uh, for me, that was actually uh, actually a little bit encouraging that I was, uh, body weight, I was able to do it. With the vest, it's a little bit, wow, <laughs> it was so much lighter without the vest, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, you're running, I'm like, wow, I'm not running this in 920, that's fantastic. It's a full minute shorter, and like, the pull-ups didn't suck as much, the push-ups, didn't, I didn't drop to the knees at all. And then the air squats weren't like, okay, every three I'll take a breather sort of thing. Uh, so uh, the only thing I could have changed is actually bring more water. That would be the, the one other thing that I would have done. Uh, the afternoon workout, uh, again, I did another slow and 20 kettlebell. It was actually slow and 30 kettlebell Two mile run as well. Did some skipping as well, uh, which was good because I, again I, by the afternoon I was like, okay, I'm gonna try this muscle. out, see see what happens. And I know you're probably thinking if your muscles are gonna not, you probably shouldn't be skipping. I'm like, well, let's see it. Let, let's let's try. It. Let's see what happens, right? So I did. No problems. Get back up and uh, to the apartment. Do my uh, kettlebell flow as well. Uh, so today I, I just. I have this, I have this like this upper body work uh, kettlebell flow that I do. So I did that again, very slow, only ten reps of everything, but like very half to quarter pace sort of thing, right? Like we're t- talking more focused on not just technique, but just slow, feel that in every part of your muscle. I found, I don't know, I'm into these workouts. They're they're not as crazy, right? Like since I'm running so much, I'm skipping so much, uh, like that's all go 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 go. I kind of want to slow down a little bit on the weightlifting uh, or the, the the lifting of the weights just so it's um, you know, it's not so crazy sort of thing. Now, prior to that, I did order a couple bottles of wine uh, because I was like, well, it's the weekend. Probably drink them over the weekend. Good. Put them in the fridge. I ordered white wine uh, so it'll be nice and chilled. And then I also uh, was thinking, well, I should probably order in dinner. I don't really want to cook tonight, so I ordered in Argentinian and pinatas. Now... Why empanadas in Beijing? Uh, I came across a couple articles. They were talking about Argentinian food uh, a while back and how sort of there's a, there's a couple places in Beijing that offer it. I went with Andino's. This is the place that I ordered from. Uh, I w- actually I w- was not very um, enthused by what I got. It was deep fried. Uh, the empanadas, they were deep fried. I, th- I think I spent it was 140 quai, 140 renminbi for an arepa uh eight fries that weren't fries i guess they were corn or tortilla fries or something like that um they weren't regular french fries even though the picture seemed to indicate that they would be um maybe i didn't select the right one that's sort of what i'm thinking that happened um, the empanadas they were deep fried and i'm not used to deep fried empanadas the ones that we have back in uh in like my hometown of winnipeg they uh they're they're, they're like glorified dumplings but like glorified jowdza, but not boiled so they're 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 oven baked uh so yeah look i'm not sure if i would try Andinos again i but i would try another place instead and there's i think there's two or three other um beijing based argentinian restaurants uh, or at least why folks who can make empanadas I, I was just looking to try something different and. Didn't want to order blue frog again, <laughs> as, as that's pretty much my go-to on most days when I don't want to cook that or Indian food, but I'm thinking like if I have Indian food today and I go for a bike ride tomorrow, I don't want to be stuck somewhere and feel that, that urge, if you know what I mean, right? Uh, so yeah, um, and Dino's was the restaurant. You guys can try it out. See what you guys think. Uh, for me, um, I think that's a uh, one and done at least for now. Uh, I might try it again if the girlfriend wants to, but, uh, that, that's about it with that. Getting trolled on my language vlog. Oh, this is funny. Some, you know, in China, I get compliments on my beard. Uh, and, but on the world of the Western YouTube, people are like, go to the barber, get a haircut, man, get a real job. Jeez. You guys are harsh. Don't know why. Uh, so <laughs> seeing these comments, so I, you know, I give them a thumbs up and a heart. Like, thanks, appreciate. Thanks for stopping by. I really do. Awesome. Great. Good stuff. You know, because yesterday I was talking about you can create the greatest video in the world, but if no one's listening, is it the greatest video in the world? Say likewise. I mean, if it's greatest, it's the worst video in the world, but a billion people watch. I mean, which one's better? Right? <laughs> Smells like smoke in the beach. Um, yeah, this Ghost Month thing. Uh, so it's Ghost Month right now in August. Uh, throughout, uh, it's the lunar calendar. Uh, it ends the first week of September, I believe. And right now, like it, they're burning money, uh, like the ceremonial money, and I guess some other things for their ancestors. So it's uh, every night uh, around 10, nine o'clock or so, eight thirty, nine o'clock. Once the sun goes down, uh, once it's dark, that's when you start smelling the uh, these little fires, and they kind of it's not banned uh but you're supposed to do it like they do it on street corners you can't do it within the compounds they'll get after you um but it has to be done in places where uh it's not going to you know burn the dry leaves and everything that are around even though the humidity 70 percent uh i mean these things there's enough of the not enough dry material around that you're kind of like yeah it's not and these buildings don't have fire suppression materials right so uh or systems so uh yeah they do them on the street corners, uh, so if you're in Beijing now, you can go out there. You could probably smell them. Uh, it smells like a barbecue or like a, a fire, you know, like a just a bonfire of some sort. Uh, but uh, so that's what they're doing out in uh, outside and smoking up and smelling up the the apartments. So I got the uh, air filter going to cleanse the air. And it, I mean, it, I, they end at around ten thirty. They should be almost done anyway. I guess ten o'clock, maybe ten thirty. They don't go that late. It's it's not an all night affair. Not like a Spring Festival or anything like that. All right, so, after this episode, uh keep listening. It'll be the introduction to p t. Barnum's Art of getting money uh worth the listen. Uh, I enjoyed what I heard, so uh you guys tell me, drop me a line uh you know should I post this stuff or should I not if you don't enjoy it well if you want the full thing, actually go to librivox and they they have the full thing there uh for you it's all it's actually done the The introduction is the longest chapter everything else is very short so it's actually a, a very good quick read probably you know one workouts worth uh no two cuz i tried to listen to it in one workout and it didn't work so two workouts and you'll be a, you'll good you'll be good with that all right All right, folks, uh, I'm going to leave it there. Have a great weekend. Show notes, tracks, and vids up on my website, stephenserski.com. Thanks for watching the live stream if you've uh, joined in. I do have that link on my website as well under the show notes for these episodes, which I'll have updated this weekend as well. So, folks, with that, we will uh, leave it there. Stay cool out there. Get your runs and stay healthy. Get your vitamin D. Eat your broccoli. And we will talk again. Have a good one. Bye-bye.
1: Introduction to the art of money-getting. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jill Preston. The Art of Money Getting by P.T. Barnum. Introduction In the United States, where we have more land than people, It is not at all difficult for persons in good health to make money. In this comparatively new field, there are so many avenues of success open, so many vocations, which are not crowded, that any person of either sex who is willing, at least for the time being, to engage in any respectable occupation that offers, may find lucrative employment. Those who really desire to attain an independence have only to set their minds upon it, and adopt the proper means as they do in regard to any other object which they wish to accomplish, and the thing is easily done. But, however easy it may be found to make money, I have no doubt many of my hearers will agree it is the most difficult thing in the world to keep it. The road to wealth is, as Dr. Franklin truly says, as plain as the road to the mill, it consists simply in expending less than we earn. that seems to be a very simple problem. Mr. Mickerber, one of those happy creations of the genial Dickens, puts the case in a strong light when he says that to have annual income of twenty pounds per annum and spend twenty pounds and sixpence is to be the most miserable of men, whereas to have an income of only twenty pounds and spend but nineteen pounds and sixpence. Is to be the happiest of mortals. Many of my readers may say, we understand this, this is economy, and we know economy is wealth. We know we can't eat our cake and keep it also. Yet I beg to say that perhaps more cases of failure arise from mistakes on this point than almost any other. The fact is, many people think they understand economy when they really do not. True economy is misapprehended and people go through life without properly comprehending what that principle is. One says, I have an income of so much and here is my neighbor who has the same, yet every year he gets something ahead and I fall short. Why is it? I know all about economy. He thinks he does, but he does not. There are men who think that economy consists in saving cheese parings. And candle ends, and cutting off twopence from the laundress bill, and doing all sorts of little, mean, dirty things. Economy is not meanness. The misfortune is also that the class of persons let their economy apply in only one direction. They fancy they are so wonderfully economical in saving a halfpenny where they ought to send twopence that they think they can afford to squander in other directions. A few years ago, before kerosene oil was discovered or thought of, one might stop overnight at almost any farmer's house in the agricultural districts and get a very good supper, but after supper he might attempt to read in the sitting-room and would find it impossible with the inefficient light of one candle. The hostess, seeing his dilemma, would say, "'It is rather difficult to read here in evenings. The proverb says you must have a ship at sea in order to be able to burn two candles at once.' we never have an extra candle except on extra occasions. These extra occasions occur, perhaps twice a year. In this way, the good woman saves five, six, or ten dollars in that time. But the information which might be derived from having the extra light would, of course, far outweigh a ton of candles. But the trouble does not end here. Feeling that she is so economical in tallow candies, she thinks she can afford to go frequently to the village and spend twenty or thirty dollars for ribbons and furbelows, many of which are not necessary. This false canote may frequently be seen in men of business, and in those instances it often runs to writing paper. You find good businessmen who save all the old envelopes and scraps, and would not tear a new sheet of paper if they could avoid it, for the world, this is all very well. They may in this way save 5 or $10 a year, but being so economical, only in paper, they think they can afford to waste time, to have expensive parties, and to drive their carriages. This is an illustration of Dr. Franklin's, Saving at the Spigot and Wasting at the Bunghole, Pennywise and Pound Foolish. Punch in speaking of this, one idea, class of people, says, They are like the man who bought a penny hearing for his family's dinner and then hired a coach and four to take it home. I never knew a man to succeed by practicing this kind of economy. True economy consists in always making the income exceed the outgo. Wear the old clothes a little longer if necessary. Dispense with the new pair of gloves. Mend the old dress. Live on plainer food if need be, so that, under all circumstances, unless... Some unforeseen accident occurs, there will be a margin in favor of the income. A penny here and a dollar there, placed at interest, goes on accumulating, and in this way the desired result is attained. It requires some training, perhaps, to accomplish this economy, but when once used to it, you will find there is more satisfaction in rational saving than in irrational spending. Here is a recipe which I recommend. I have found it to work an excellent cure for extravagance and especially for mistaken economy. When you find that you have no surplus at the end of the year and yet have a good income, I advise you to take a few sheets of paper and form them into a book and mark down every item of expenditure. Post it every day or week in two columns, one headed necessaries or even comforts and the other headed luxuries and you will find that the latter column will be double, treble, and frequently ten times greater than the former. The real comforts of life cost but a small portion of what most of us can earn. Dr. Franklin says, it is the eyes of others and not our own eyes which ruin us. If all the world were blind except myself, I should not care for fine clothes or furniture. It is the fear of what Mrs. grenday may say that keeps the noses of many worthy families to the grindstone. In America, many persons like to repeat, we are all free and equal, but it is a great mistake in more senses than one. That we are born free and equal is a glorious truth in one sense. Yet we are not all born equally rich, and we never shall be. One may say, there is a man who has an income of $50,000 per annum. Well, I have but $1,000. I knew that fellow when he was poor like myself. Now he is rich and thinks he is better than I am. I will show him that I am as good as he is. I will go and buy a horse and buggy. No, I cannot do that. But I will go and hire one and ride this afternoon on the same road that he does, and thus prove to him that I am as good as he is. My friend, you need not take that trouble. You can easily prove that you are as good as he is you have only to behave as well as he does, but you cannot make anybody believe that you are as rich as he is. Besides, if you put on these airs, add waste your time, and spend your money, your poor wife will be obliged to scrub her fingers off at home, and buy her tea, two ounces at a time, and everything else in proportion, in order that you may keep up appearances, and, after all, deceive nobody. On the other hand, Mrs. Smith may say, that her next-door neighbor married Johnson for his money, and everybody says so. She has a nice $1,000 camel's hair shawl, and she will make Smith get her an imitation one, and she will sit in a pew right next to her neighbor in church, in order to prove that she is her equal. My good woman, you will not get ahead in the world if your vanity and envy thus take the lead. In this country— where we believe the majority ought to rule, we ignore that principle in regard to fashion, and let a handful of people calling themselves the aristocracy run up a false standard of perfection, and endeavoring to rise to that standard, we constantly keep ourselves poor, all the time digging away for the sake of outside appearances, how much wiser to be a law unto ourselves, and say, we will regulate our outgo by our income, and lay up something for a rainy day. People ought to be as sensible on the subject of money-getting as on any other subject. Like causes produces like effects. You cannot accumulate a fortune by taking the road that leads to poverty. It needs no profit to tell us that those who live fully up to their means, without any thought of a reverse in this life, can never attain a pecuniary independence. Men and women accustomed to gratify every whim and caprice will find it hard, at first, to cut down their various unnecessary expenses, and will feel it a great self-denial to live in a smaller house than they have been accustomed to, with less expensive furniture, less company, less costly clothing, fewer servants, a less number of balls, parties, theater-goings, carriage-ridings, pleasure excursions, cigar-smokings, liquor-drinkings, and other extravagances. But, after all, if they will try the plan of laying by a nest egg, or, in other words, a small sum of money, at interest or judiciously invested in land, they will be surprised at the pleasure to be derived from constantly adding to their little pile, as well as from all the economical habits which are engendered by this course. The old suit of clothes and the old bonnet and dress will answer for another season. Their croton or spring water tastes better than champagne. A cold bath and a brisk walk will prove more exhilarating than a ride in the finest coach. A social chat, an evening's reading in the family circle, or an hour's play of Hunt the Slipper and Blind Man's Buff will be far more pleasant than a fifty or five hundred dollar party when the reflection on the difference in cost is indulged in by those who begin to know the pleasures of saving. Thousands of men are kept poor, and tens of thousands are made so after they have acquired quite sufficient to support them well through life. In consequence of laying their plans of living on too broad a platform, some families expend twenty thousand dollars. Some families expend twenty thousand dollars per annum and some much more, and would scarcely know how to live on less, while others secure more solid enjoyment frequently on a twentieth part of that amount prosperity is a more severe ordeal than adversity especially sudden prosperity easy come easy go is an old and true proverb a spirit of pride and vanity when permitted to have full sway is the undying canker-worm which gnaws the very vitals of a man's worldly possessions let them be small or great hundreds or millions many persons as they begin to prosper immediately expand their ideas and commence expending for luxuries until in a short time their expenses swallow up their income, and they become ruined in the ridiculous attempts to keep up appearances and make a sensation. I know a gentleman of fortune who says that when he first began to prosper, his wife would have a new and elegant sofa. That sofa, he says, cost me thirty thousand dollars. When the sofa reached the house, it was found necessary to get chairs to match, then sideboards, carpets, and tables to correspond with them, and so on through the entire stock of furniture. When at last it was found that the house itself was quite too small and old-fashioned for the furniture, and a new one was built to correspond with the new purchases. Thus, added my friend, summing up an outlay of thirty thousand dollars caused by that single sofa and saddling on me, in the shape of servants, equipage, and the necessary expenses attendant upon keeping up a fine establishment, a yearly outlay of eleven thousand dollars, and a target pinch at that, whereas ten years ago we lived with much more real comfort, because with much less care, on as many hundreds. The truth is, he continued, that sofa would have brought me to bankruptcy had not a most unexampled title to prosperity kept me above it, and had I not checked the natural desire to cut a dash. The foundation of success in life is good health. That is a substratum fortune. It is also the basis of happiness. A person cannot accumulate a fortune very well when he is sick. He has no ambition, no incentive, no force. Of course, there are those who have bad health and cannot help it. You cannot expect that such persons can accumulate wealth, but there are a great many in poor health who need not be so. If then, sound health is the foundation of success and happiness in life, how important is it that we should study the laws of health, which is but another expression for the laws of nature? The nearer we keep to the laws of nature, the nearer we are to good health. And yet how many persons there are who pay no attention to natural laws, but absolutely transgress them? even against their own natural inclination. We ought to know that the sin of ignorance is never winked at in regard to the violation of nature's laws. Their infraction always brings the penalty. A child may thrust its finger into the flames without knowing it will burn, and so suffers repentance, even, will not stop the smart. Many of our ancestors knew very little about the principle of ventilation. They did not know much about oxygen, whatever, other, gin, they might have been acquainted with and consequently they built their houses with little seven by nine feet bedrooms and these good old pious puritans would lock themselves up and one of these cells say their prayers and go to bed in the morning they would devoutly return thanks for the preservation of their lives during the night and nobody had better reason to be thankful probably some big crack in the window or in the door let in a little fresh air and thus save them many persons knowingly violate the laws of nature against their better impulses for the sake of fashion for instance there's one thing that nothing living except a vile worm ever naturally loved and that is tobacco yet how many persons there are who deliberately train in a natural appetite and overcome this implanted aversion for tobacco to such a degree that they get to love it they have got hold of a poisonous filthy weed or rather that takes a firm hold of them here are married men who run about spitting tobacco juice on the carpet and floors and sometimes even upon their wives bedsides they do not kick their wives out of doors like drunken men but their wives i have no doubt often wish they were outside of the house another perilous feature is that this artificial appetite like jealousy grows by what it feeds on when you love that which is unnatural a stronger appetite is created for the hurtful thing than the natural desire for what is harmless. There is an old proverb which says that habit is second nature, but an artificial habit is stronger than nature. Take, for instance, an old tobacco chewer. His love for the quid is stronger than his love for any particular kind of food. He can give up roast beef easier than give up the weed. Young lads regret that they are not men. They would like to go to bed boys and wake up men. And to accomplish this, they copy the bad habits of their seniors. Little Tommy and Johnny see their fathers or uncles smoke a pipe, and they say, If I could only do that, I would be a man too. Uncle John has gone out and left his pipe of tobacco. Let us try it. They take a match and light it, and then puff away. We will learn to smoke. Do you like it, Johnny? That lad dolefully replies, Not very much. It tastes bitter. By and by he grows pale, but he persists and he soon offers up a sacrifice on the altar of fashion, but the boys stick to it and persevere until at last they conquer their natural appetites and become the victims of acquired tastes. I speak by the book, for I have noticed its effects on myself, having gone so far as to smoke ten or fifteen cigars a day, although I have not used the weed during the last fourteen years and never shall again. The more a man smokes, the more he craves smoking. The last cigar smoke simply excites the desire for another, and so on, incessantly. Take the tobacco chewer. In the morning, when he gets up, he puts a quid in his mouth and keeps it there all day, never taking it out except to exchange it for a fresh one, or when he is going to eat. Oh, yes, at intervals during the day and evening, Many a chewer takes out the quid and holds it in his hand long enough to take a drink and then pop it goes back again. This simply proves that the appetite for rum is even stronger than that for tobacco. When the tobacco chewer goes to your country seat and you show him your grapery and fruit house and the beauties of your garden, when you offer him some fresh ripe fruit and say, My friend, I have got here the most delicious apples and pears and peaches and apricots, I have imported them from Spain, France, and Italy. Just see those luscious grapes. There is nothing more delicious nor more healthy than ripe fruit, so help yourself. I want to see you delight yourself with these things. He will roll the dear quid under his tongue and answer, No, I thank you. I have got tobacco in my mouth. His palate has become narcotized by the noxious weed, and he has lost in a great measure, the delicate and inviolable taste for fruits. This shows what expensive, useless, and injurious habits men will get into. I speak from experience. I have smoked until I trembled like an aspen leaf. The blood rushed to my head, and I had a palpitation of the heart, which I thought was heart disease, till I was almost killed with fright. When I consulted my physician, he said, Break off tobacco using... I was not only injuring my health and spending a great deal of money, but I was setting a bad example. I obeyed his counsel. No young man in the world ever looked so beautiful as he thought he did behind a 15-cent cigar or a merschaum. These remarks apply with tenfold force to the use of intoxicating drinks. To make money requires a clear brain. A man has got to see that two and two make four, He must lay all his plans with reflection and forethought, and closely examine all the details and the ins and outs of business. As no man can succeed in business unless he has a brain to enable him to lay his plans and reason to guide him in their execution, so, no matter how bountifully a man may be blessed with intelligence, if the brain is muddled and his judgment warped by intoxicating drinks, it is impossible for him to carry on business successfully. How many good opportunities have passed! never to return, while a man was sipping a social glass with his friend. How many foolish bargains have been made under the influence of the divine, which temporarily makes its victim think he is rich. How many important chances have been put off until tomorrow, and then forever, because the wine cup has thrown the system into a state of lassitude, neutralizing the energy so essential to success in business, verily, wine is a mocker the use of intoxicating drinks as a beverage is as much an infatuation as is the smoking of opium by the chinese and the former is quite as destructive to the success of the businessman as the latter it is an unmitigated evil utterly indefensible in the light of philosophy religion or good sense it is the parent of nearly every other evil in our country End of Introduction Recording by Jill Preston